everybody, I'm Peter and I appreciate a good bromance. He's a surprisingly good climber. It's Mike. How's it going? Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the show that explores the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode by episode deep dive into the animated series Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, so we are doing this one. This is a fun one. Um, it's just you and I again. Mm-hmm. Before, at top, you know what? Let's let's shout out a couple things up top. We still have our sick pins that are available. Yep. Check out our Twitter for that at Rebels Rebels Pod. Our Space Oddity Canon pins. Yes, those are still up there. Grab them on our big cartel while you can. Um, before our next one comes out and that one disappears forever Mm -hmm. and then we are also still doing a contest i think during the hiatus once we're done with the season we are going to be releasing some bonus and deep dive episodes and you can podcast with us Mm -hmm. if you just leave us an itunes review and give us your handle when you do that yeah cool with that out of the way do you want to jump into this mike i do sweet So, from Wikipedia, Zeb and Callus find themselves stranded on an icy moon of Geonosis after a failed Imperial ambush of the Rebels. Bitter enemies, they must put aside their differences and work together in order to survive. Yes, yes, yes. So, before we get started, I want to just ask you, do you remember watching this episode? Um, How do you remember liking kind of this turn? And because I feel like the seeds were planted for Callus's about face in this episode. Um, but yeah. it was kind of odd to me. <laughs> Feels like a little bit of a retcon. What, what do you think? Um, it doesn't feel... I... I don't remember how I initially felt. Mm-hmm. On the second watch, it doesn't feel out of completely the blue because I've noted a couple instances in the show where possibly they're priming him for a defection mm, interesting um and you can go back in the series and there's two or three little spots where i'm like hmm he his his he's making better like he's making his moral choices as a character are already kind of denoting this cool i don't know yeah, I'm interested in hearing those things then because I actually it didn't bug me when it first aired. I think doing this rewatch, I was kind of surprised at how hardcore they went in on in the first season with Callus being like, "I killed them all and I liked it," and then like now they're like, "Just kidding, I didn't." <laughs> like, yeah, well, earlier like, a little like retcon. three or four episodes ago, I forget which which what we were doing. Um, Callus had a moment where he was saying that if you work together, you know, if we combined our resources and work together, perhaps yeah. we can like accomplish this goal. And another Imperial was like, no, I'm just going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that I thought that was a potential. I'll do it my way. I know what that right. means. Like Frank Sinatra. Oh, okay, I got it. Like you, New York voice. city, the big apple. The way you said that did not sound like Frank Sinatra. Yeah. I have, I have a cold and I can't sing. So those are the two things going against me. Got it. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested that I'm interested in that. I'm interested in some of the thoughts of our listeners. So hit us up about how you felt about the Callisance. Ooh, I just I just thought of that. The Callisance. I like that. Hmm. Well, I mean, you didn't really just think of that. You just added sans 
<laughs> no, yeah, I know. I just thought to add sans on the end of callous. Oh, this is a real Peter vocabulary sans. Yeah. yeah. I just did it. It's that easy. Yeah, I know. You just thought of that too. I'm very proud of you. No, it's not. So this episode was directed by Brad Rao, who does good work, a.k.a. Brad Rao Hood. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so shout out to him. I like him. Um, but it starts at Geonosis. Rebel intelligence was right. The Empire was building something over Geonosis. Yeah, but what? I've never seen an orbital construction field this big. The Genosians made weapons back in the Clone War. Whatever they were up to, I'm betting we're not going to like it. Must have been huge if they had to build it up here instead of down on the surface. So they are orbiting the planet Geonosis, which we saw in Attack of the Clones. And Ezra points out that the Empire was building something over the planet, but they don't know what. What can it be? Death Star, that's what it is. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, This is always a funny thing to me. And I, I mean, they've talked about this, but we've never seen it in movies. But yes, they were building the Death Star there. But they need to move the Death Star. And the Death Star is actually equipped with a hyperdrive. Yeah. Which I just think is funny. Like, it's a really big, like, it's like a giant basketball yeah. going through hyperspace. Yeah. That, that hyperspace lane must be huge. Yeah. Um, a planet-sized, and, a small moon-sized hyperspace lane. Yeah. And I just yeah. want to one-time see, like, I wish in Rogue One or something like that, they showed it actually powering up for hyperspace. And you'd see it do the famous like zip where it's like and then goes <laughs> off and it just like disappears. Yeah, I feel like silly. it would just look really awkward. It's pretty silly. Yep. Um, so they're looking at this construction sphere, which ding, ding, ding was inspired by Ralph McQuarrie artwork for Revenge of the Jedi, which is yeah. what Return of the Jedi used to be called because it showed the empire was building two death stars so in revenge of the jedi the early scripts before it was just going to be an unfinished bigger death star it was going to be two death stars (laughs) which is funny yeah yeah two no bigger yeah Uh, (laughs) um it's also the same design as the imperial complex on lothal which signifies that the transformation of this planet of Geonosis is kind of being slowly encroached upon by the Empire. So they kind of got their own design chic that they're kind of putting in here. Um, So the reason I differentiate that is because a lot of the construction of the Death Star was done by the Geonosians, but this sphere was kind of indicating a period where the empire took over geonosis and kind of forced them to build things and do things the empire's way yeah we're going to talk more about geonosis and the the um oh my gosh i can't think of words today Uh, (laughs) we're going to talk more about geonosis and the um natives that inhabit it but Mm -hmm. um it feels like a problematic planet yeah definitely um there's yeah, I got a whole bunch of stuff on Geonosians, which is interesting. But before we get there, speaking of the Geonosians, Chopper scans for life signs and there are none to be found, even though there are supposed to be billions of life forms on the planets, according to Rex. I know for experience, the bugs down there don't take to unexpected guests. No life. You crosswired? There are billions of bugs on Geonosis. Scan again. They're dead. All of them. I don't like any of this. We don't know that for sure. Let's check out that construction module. 
Well, according to Rex, he uses the word bugs. Yeah, I know, which is racist. That's okay. That's where I wanted to start. <laughs> is that racist? Yeah. You think it's just totally, is it derogatory or reductive or a little bit of both? Yeah, I, I feel like he's like, because he's a little bit older. So if he had yeah. like a grandkid, he'd be like, Ooh. oh, there's billions of bugs on there. It's great. He'd be like, dad, you can't see that anymore. Oh, man. They're called Geonosians. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I had a, a great uncle who called people Oriental. And yeah, ooh, that always. I just had a family in town and had an uncle gr- drop that. And it was a. Uh, it was rough. <laughs> it's not pretty. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So maybe Rex has got that going on a little bit. Yep. Um, we're probably going to get some heat for that, for all the Rex stands. Mm. But Rex Sorry, is racist. Guys. Sorry to break it to you. Sorry, guys. Um, I also like this. This seems very old-timey, too. He goes, you cross-wired? Which I think is just like a funny insult. I'm going to start saying that at work. Like, yeah, these numbers didn't add up on the report. Be like, what? You crosswired? <laughs> um, and I also like that Ezra says, like, they're all dead. And Harry goes, we don't know that for sure. Like, okay, so there were billions of people on this planet yeah. and they all disappeared. But they're yeah. probably not dead. They're just hiding or something. I mean, you know, good for her for being the consummate optimist. But yeah, I, um, guess. I sometimes there are dialogue lines are so funny because yeah. they're just kind of you know standby lines that you can just plug in place almost mm-hmm. yeah that's one it's just like a 17 billion person game of hide and seek or they all went on vacation at the same time yeah or they all powered down maybe they're <laughs> maybe they're um, you know bug droids maybe that was racist Mike Okay. <laughs> so a little bit about the Geonosians. Um, first of all, how do you, how do you like the Geonosians? Do you think this is interesting? Because I feel like it's a definitely a new kind of a hive mind insect kind of species that we haven't seen in Star Wars up until yeah. that point. You know, it's, there's a couple hive mind species in Star Wars as being one of them, mm. and I conceptually like hive the hive mind idea. Don't fully, I mean, I, I mean, I, I understand what a hive mind means, but I feel like you could take it a couple different directions. And I'm always curious to know more of the inner workings of like hive mind colonies. Like, mm-hmm. so they, ha- lit, they have one mind, right? They're connected by one mind. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't want to get into like the sci-fi of it, but it's not <laughs> like bees aren't a hive mind. They're a hive colony, but they're not hive mind colonies. Yeah. Well, so in my, in the reference book I looked at, they're called, they're covered in great hive colonies. Oh, okay. Not hive mind. Yeah. So I don't think they're a hive mind in the sense that there's like one queen and if you kill the queen, they all explode. Like in, I've seen in some like, in some sci-fi. No, it's not even that. It's like, it's like high, I'm thinking the hive mind in a way where like you don't differentiate, like you don't identify as a singular yeah. Like no one has their own name. Everyone literally has this is connected by the same thoughts. Yeah. I don't think the um, Geonosians are that. I think it is closer okay. to a bee colony, which is a good good analogy that you just brought up. I hadn't thought about that before. Um uh, okay. I think they do have individuals and there's I read a, a story about how because they're a strict caste system as well. So there's yeah. a minority um of the upper class and that's 
like Poggle the Lesser, who is the main mm-hmm. Geonosian we see mm-hmm. in Attack of the Clones. He's kind of one of the head separatists. Um, and he okay. is in charge and he controls the great majority of the worker class. And that's the greater. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of hard because they're like lesser in the cast, but they're also like way more of them. Yeah. And that's why like the Geonosians are so prized for their industrial exports because the upper class rules with a savage authority and subjects the majority of the population of the planet to like a life of labor. Um, I was, I'm, yeah, I'll be honest. I'm a bigger fan of Poggle the Greater. <laughs> yeah. Well, I couldn't find anything about Poggle the Greater actually. Do we ever see, uh, is there a Poggle the Greater no. that we ever see? There is. You don't see or hear about him though. Yeah. That's what's weird. Uh, there is, they do indicate and we find out in one of the comics may, that this might be the case that Poggle the Lesser might not actually be the boss. There might be a secret queen that's giving him orders. But mm. so maybe that's why he's Pogo the Lesser. Um, I remember in the uh, Rouge One prequel that I'm now forgetting the name of the book, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Catalyst, yeah, yeah, Catalyst. They talk a little bit about Pogo the Lesser. Oh, interesting. And I, thought, and I just thought it was funny. Yeah, it's a weird name for the leader of a planet. Yeah, like why would you be the Lesser? I don't know. But um, we see all these asteroids around Geonosis, and those are all mineral rich. So basically the upper class forces the lower class to mine all this ore and all these materials. They're really rich in these materials and then they build things. So they're the main manufacturers of the droid army for the separatists, for example. And then that's why they were good candidates for creating the death star. Yeah. But after the creation of the death star, the empire sterilized the entire population leading to the extinction of most of the entire race. Which yeah. I think is interesting. They didn't just kill them. They sterilized them, which seems extremely cruel. I mean, you read the Vader comics, right? Yeah. So that was my next point. Um, Darth Vader number four, which came out in 2015. Um, oh, was that long ago? I don't yeah, know. Which is wild. April 2015. But um, Vader travels to Geonosis um, and finds just one Geonosian queen left. So that might be the one that was secretly controlling Boggle Lesser. But she's the only one left and she has been sterilized. So she creates an army of droid Geonosians, which is tight. Yeah. And then the, like her droid army attacks Vader. Yeah, that's tight. I like that. Um, yeah. um, you know who else is a hive mind species? Who? The Ewoks. Um. How sick would that be if, like, how creepy would that be if the Ewoks were a hive mind and they all yeah. just, like, spoke at the same time and had, like, a cool That would actually make Ewok. them cooler. <laughs> Sorry, but what were you going to say? Um, Tito from uh, Force Awakens, the weird little alien that Ray meets in the beginning who's trying to take BB-8. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's odd. Hive, hive mind species. Huh, that's really interesting. I like this that. This species is called Tito. <laughs> And his name is Tito. That's tight. That's all. Not my favorite Jackson, but you know. Mm. Um, one last just random fact I found out while researching Geonosians. According to the Star Wars Complete Visual Dictionary, the Geonosians used an excrement caused by parasites on their planet and mixed Gross. it with stone powder to build the towers they live in. So they're technological builders, but they also live in poop houses. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, cool, cool, cool. 
Um, cool, cool, cool. So the crew lands on the planet. Well, they don't land on the planet. They land on that construction sphere. Um, looking for more information as to what the Empire was building. But they don't think that things are on the up and up. It's a little too quiet, right? Oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> a little too rough. A little too rough. <laughs> um, they don't things are they don't think things are on the up and up. They are proven right when Callus and a squad of stormtroopers enter the room. Yeah. Here's something I really like about this mm-hmm. is that in this episode and in I feel like Rebels as a show really has progressed and really is in its stride mm-hmm. at this point. Um and I think it's I think you can give credit to the writers. They're really good at moving the action, setting the stage and moving mm-hmm. the action yeah. along because it's minutes into this episode and we've already sprung the trap to progress the pr- plot to get where we need to go. Totally. Um, previously, this might have taken two or three minutes more. We might have had a total an unnecessary um, like plot building or character development, or maybe we've had so much character development that we don't need it anymore. But I think it's really great how quickly we get into that because I'm still really struggling with the new Star Wars show, Star Wars Resistance, mm-hmm. because we're about 11 episodes in. And I'm really bored <laughs> and it still feels like a super kid show, which maybe Star Wars is finally making a kid show for kids, not like the kid inside of us. <laughs> oh. uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I like but, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I get that. And I, to your point, that's a really good point because I, when I remember this episode, all I remember is Callus and Zeb on that ice moon, just like, debating their lives and it was like oh that's all that happens that entire episode and i was kind of surprised to see like wait no like they find out about the geonosians and then they go to this place and then there's an ambush and then there's like a fight about this thing and then a lot happens in this episode in a very contained amount of time and like it works really well um yeah so you know good for you brad Rowhood. yeah it's moving. I like it. Yeah. One other thing. I don't think we've actually talked about this. I don't even know if we mentioned this in the Callus deep dive, but I was surprised to find out who voiced Callus. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think we, think we talked about it. No. He's voiced by David Owellio, who is cool. He got like a ton of uh, heat after he played MLK in Selma. Um, and then he was Didn't also know. in Lee Daniels, the butler. Um He's on like a superstar track for a while. And I think things have kind of settled down a little bit, but he's got a couple cool movies in production, but he's kind of a big deal. I was surprised that they got him. Huh. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's really good too. Um, and he, I, I don't know why, but he just, he, I, the voice is so different than his regular speaking voice. It's, he does a really good job. So wow. good on cool. you, Davio. Yeah. Maybe he's a star Wars fan. Yep. I hope so. Um, so, they are proven right because they're ambushed and the ghost is attacked by an ATDP in that hangar and Kanan radios that they're being locked inside of the hallways that they're in by an Imperial droid, an evil Imperial droid. So Rex sends Chopper out to take on the Imperial droid and Chopper does what he does best. Murders. Battlebots. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the weird thing is like, it's those like weird, you see him in a new hope. Those like, doors that have kind of like four segments that slowly close people <laughs> yeah. can jump through you know 
Like, Kanan could have easily just poked his lightsaber through and, like, stabbed that droid in the head. It was, like, two <laughs> feet away from him. But yeah. instead, he's like, send Chopper out. <laughs> maybe he's just, like, trying to give... Maybe, like, they just got back from a long top where he's like, Chopper <laughs> needs more responsibility. Yeah. Maybe he's, like, a dog, and if he doesn't, like, kill often enough, like, or get, like, his energy out, he gets, like, just too rambunctious in the cabin of the ship. Because that's what we let our dogs do. Yeah. Well, it's like, you gotta take your dog for a walk and play, like with their toys like if they just sit in their house all day they get stir crazy if chopper yeah. doesn't murder like once a day he gets stir crazy and might murder one of the, the crew members you know interesting point i was talking to a coworker last night about how dogs i love my dog but dogs would mm-hmm. be so much better if they could laugh <laughs> and they had selective <laughs> sense of humors but i think they would just be the ultimate companion if they could laugh at things you did or jokes you told oh my gosh that'd be cute that's all I don't want them to be any more, um, you know, intellectually developed past that, but that's, that's what I want. <laughs> that would be cute, but it could also be creepy. Like, do you think that they would have like a dog laugh where they're like, rawr, 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 or do you think it'd be like, ha, 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 Yeah, I think it'd be something like, <laughs> kind of like salacious crumb a little bit. Oh my gosh. That actually sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> mm, whatever. My, my mind, my world. <laughs> okay, fair. So... Uh, I don't know why this this point was kind of like pointed out on StarWars.com, but in the Clone Wars, Clone Wars episode Duel of the Droids, R2-D2 fights a gold astromech droid with black highlights. Here, Chopper fights a black astromech droid with gold highlights. Really makes you think, huh? Cool. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, this is all going on. The trap has been sprung that the empire set for the rebels callus mm-hmm. and zeb are fighting yep and the thing i don't i take issue with on this episode and this is real nitpicky but that's what we're here for mm-hmm. zeb has to be stronger than callus yeah he in the description of all um like lasat and what they're supposed to be like almost like a quicker, faster, more agile Wookiee. Mm-hmm. And Zeb, we know, is a very formidable Lasat. Yeah. He should be able to overpower Callus. There's just, it's just so frustrating to me that, yeah. I don't know. What if, in his heart of hearts, he doesn't actually want to hurt Callus? Mm, I like that. What if it's like in Civil War, where he's like, you're pulling your punches. You're pulling your punches. Yeah, okay. Brother against brother. Yeah. It's like, get a room already, right? And I also really like, what I do like about this episode is when the ghost is flying around and 80 DPs are shooting at it from inside mm-hmm. the the uh, construction site, whatever that is. Yeah. I think that's cool. That is cool. Um, but the crew manages to escape, but Zeb is too preoccupied with fighting Callus, and he tells the rest of the rebels to take off without him. He'll figure it out. So yep. the ghost takes off, and they're trailed by TIE fighters, avoiding 80 DPs. Um, and Zeb kind of is able to disengage and he manages to get to an escape pod, but is surprised by Callus, who is recovered. And then they fight inside of the escape pod. So in a way they did get a room. Yeah. Um, so in the struggle, they kind of launch the control pod to the surface of Geonosis. So they're fighting while the escape pod is flying through space, but they damage the control panel, 
which sends them off course to an underground cavern on the moon of Geonosis, not on Geonosis. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, I love the shot at, I think this is seriously beautiful at 423. There's a shot of the pod headed down to the moon and mm -hmm. Geonosis is huge in the background, like a super moon. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it is really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I almost want to make like a print of that. I want someone to do a print. Of that, Ooh, please. Yeah. That is um, cool. Something that's funny is when the pod hits the moon and Callus realizes that he's been injured. Mm -hmm. The yell he lets out <laughs> is so weird and orgasmic. Oh, <laughs> that's the only word I can use. Yeah, all right, fair. Hey, just listen. Just listen, okay? Okay. I don't know. Just a weird yell. Yep. Uh, before that, something that I thought was weird is like they're struggling in the escape pod and Zeb kind of pushes Callus into this lever and then an engine on the pod blows up. Like yeah. what's, what's that lever for? Like, yeah, is that to explode an engine lever? I don't know. It could have been like the emergency brake. Like he pulled it <laughs> and it just like messed something up. Cause yeah, that was weird. Yeah. I like it too. I just like thinking that they have a fail safe blow up one engine lever. It's like, we have too many engines quick blow one up. Yeah. That was a little weird. Yeah, that is weird. But they are they crash through. This is kind of a cool setting too, because the surface is kind of thin, thin sheet of ice. So they crash into the surface of the planet, but it, the pod breaks through, and they end up in a cavern underneath the thin layer yeah. of ice. And it's kind of a really cool setting. Um, it's very very cold because it is a moon that is I don't know not geonosis which is weird to me because geonosis seems yeah. to be quite arid and hot and yeah. the moon doesn't seem that far away but whatever yeah well, science yeah science um or not science maybe yeah space science whatever um but the ghost evades their pursuers and they are looking for zeb they think that they thought zeb went to geonosis so they're looking for him there and they can't find him yeah can't they cannot find him? Also, uh, great great callback here. Ezra calls Chopper a slimo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I love so much. Yeah. Um. So Zeb and Callus are stranded. Zeb wakes up to find his mortal enemy disabled and at his mercy. Zeb though says it would be easy to kill him, but he would rather leave him alive and heal so the two enemies can have a fair fight. Yeah. yeah, which is, this is a, like, very classic, if not overused, plot device, mm -hmm. right, of, oh, now you have to get to know each other, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is like the princess bride, you know, I'll give you a second, you know, get ready, catch your breath, <laughs> and then we'll, then we'll fight, or, yeah. you know, this, hap this happens a lot, so you know, you know where it's going just because of the plot device. Yeah. Um, that being said... I'm a fan of this plot device. Yeah, I actually am. And I like it. I like when this this happens. Yeah, well, I think this one's earned a little bit too because if you think about the order of episodes, I think this comes after he Zeb realizes that his planet hasn't been lost and his people haven't been lost. So I think he's lost yeah. kind of that survivor's guilt of Lasan, yeah. where you know he's a little bit less maybe angry at Callus and has that blind rage, um, yeah. and is a little bit of a softer side um, because he sees that Callus is helpless and maybe is like 
kind rebel heart takes over a little bit more than it would have four episodes mm. ago. Like if this had happened nice. four or five episodes ago, he might have just murdered Callus on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um I I would okay, so as this progresses, so Zeb is basically keeping Callus alive because Callus is injured, right? Mm-hmm. And they have to get to know each other. I like this. What I don't like is the intrusion of this I'm sure you have it. Oh you my know gosh. What the, the name is creature. so dumb. Oh, okay, great. Okay. What's the name of this uh this beast? So it's called a bozami. B O Bonzami. B O N Z A M I. I have a feeling you might actually be able to guess what that name comes from. Bonsai tree? Nope. I say this because you're a hockey player. Oh, Zamboni. Yes. So it has that weird face. And it's named after his Zamboni. Oh my god! <laughs> I already didn't like it. I already really didn't like it because all I could think of was, how does a large predator, who's clearly a carnivore given the amount of teeth it has, mm-hmm. survive on this small ice moon? Yeah. It's got to be eating a decent amount of meat. Yeah. Well, this moon might actually have a lot more of a population than Geonosis did because when they came there, they scanned Geonosis and said, there's no life on Geonosis. Um, But maybe this ice moon is teetering with critters. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. I think I would have loved this episode. I would have really loved it had the peril just been they're going to freeze to death. Yeah. Um, the I get you get peril fatigue. Yes, you know with this creature introduced, you don't need it. There's already enough peril mm-hmm. to this is overkill. Yeah, I think that's my main thing. Like I I don't particularly like this design of this creature, and it's also yeah, it's it's exactly that, and that's when I think Star Wars is the weakest. Um, is when they feel like they have to throw a bunch of other crap in, you know, like. Star Killer base, for example, like yeah. we don't need those extra things. Like this could have been like a really successful episode if they were just stranded and didn't have supplies and were freezing and they had to work together just to figure out how to fix the radio and get back yeah. together. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't need some monster to come in. You don't need, you know, what are those like tentacle creatures in Force Awakens? The rolling ball tentacles. Rathgar. Yeah, you don't need like Rathars. Like. It's just like things like that just make me roll my eyes. And this is a good example of that. So I think that's the weakest part of this episode for sure. Yeah. 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 You don't need it. Yeah. You just don't need it. So this, this is um kind of, I think we're going to have to jump around a little bit because it's a little bit hard to kind of do play by play because it is kind of one static setting, yeah. um, which is cool. I, I, I'm fine with that. Um, but we kind of mentioned this. It's really cold. It's an ice planet, ice moon. Um, but they don't have a heater. They're, they have a heater, but it kind of dies. Um, yeah. So they are trying to figure that out. I think they should have just like stayed inside the pod and cuddled naked, yeah. but whatever. Exactly. Well, they should have just stayed in the pod, period. Yeah. Um, but they hear that scary roar of the Bonzami and they are like trying to argue like, what do we do? Blah, 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 blah. They find a hot rock, which is weird to me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. Um, so, like, all this peril stuff, I'm just kind of yada yada it because I, I don't care about that. So, I think what's really interesting to me 
is the conversation, right? Yeah, exactly. I wanted to blow past all of the quote unquote action of this episode because I don't care. And I think it's copy paste. Yeah. We need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my, one of, one of the first things Callis says, um, that I think is really interesting is Zeb says he'd rather take his chances in the cold or whatever that monster is instead of with the Imperials because Zeb is saying, well, we'll fix a transponder. They have a broken transponder. We'll call the Imperials and they'll come help us out. And he says that Zeb will get a fair trial if he cooperates. <laughs> and Zeb says, I know what happens to the Zot in prison. And I think that's interesting. Like what happens to Lasat in prison? Like why does the empire hate Lasat so much? Yeah. Just um, yeah, I mean, they're speciesist, right? Yep. There's no, you don't see any imperial species that aren't, you know, human. Mm-hmm. Also, maybe they're like great white sharks, like they just don't survive in captivity. They just yeah. die <laughs> yeah. if they're not in the wild. That's true. Um, but, yeah. And then the other interesting thing they say is they say, um, it's kind of this whole push and pull where they're debating like, the moral ethics of each of their sides, which I think is cool because it gives a little bit more of a shade, even though the empire's evil, gives a little bit more of a shade to the, not everyone are like basically space Nazis. And so Callus yeah. says, you know, even if they both die on this moon, the empire will live on and they will stop rebels like Zeb. Zeb responds that they are turning more and more people are getting sick of the empire and joining their side. So they're having this big debate about who's who's gaining the momentum, who's going to win this war. Yeah, fixed it. And I adjusted the frequency. Now anyone can pick up its signal. So, maybe you won't die today, but the empire will win. Every day we recruit more informers. Every day we persuade rebel sympathizers to reconsider their allegiances. And every day, more beings get fed up with the Empire and join us. I will say, I do think, like, Callus is being kind of a baby. Yeah, man, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. I, the more It's funny, the more I talk about this episode, kind of the less I like it, but I still like the core of it. Mm-hmm. I just maybe don't like the execution. There was just some weird character choices made uh, for Callus and Zeb in this episode. Like, they ultimately come together and... Um, overcome, you know, massive differences. Oddly, you know, at a pretty quick pace, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe too quick. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's well, one of the things that I think is interesting is like, do you think when Callus is making this argument, he's trying to convince Zeb, or is he trying to convince Callus? Oh, oh a little bit of both. Yeah. yeah, like he's so he's trying to be like, yeah, no, we're turning more and more rebel sympathizers against the rebels. It's like, are you though? You know, you know, in your hearts, you're messing up. Yeah. Um, I think he's, yeah. I think his argument is falling apart in front of him. And that's, I think he's, I think he's seeing that too. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's a little both. Yeah. And so the first time this is, this is going to, there's going to be a series of choices throughout this episode where they both have to make a choice about what side they want, what kind of person they want to be. And the first one culminates when they do get attacked by that Bunzami. Um, And Zeb kind of protects Callus, throws him in the pod because he's injured, um, but keeps the bow rifle away from him because he doesn't want, you know, Callus to turn it on him. Yeah. And then he tries to attack the Blood Zombie by himself and ends up kind of getting 
cornered and so zeb gets out and kind of crawls over to his bow rifle and then struggles between should i shoot zeb or should i shoot the bonsai <laughs> which he kind of goes so much cooler if you just shot zeb I know, that's been tight. but i think this is actually kind of interesting because this this isn't as cut and dry as you think it is because you still don't know like is he choosing to not shoot zeb because he is softening or is he not shooting Zeb Survival. because he knows if he shoots Zeb, then that monster is going to eat him next. <laughs> I think it's more of a survival move yeah, at this point. Totally. But he eventually attacks the Bonzami and together they're able to drive it off. It's resistant to blaster bolts, but it kind of hurts it enough that it runs away. Yeah. Yep. And here in this, where we get one of the lines that I think maybe is the, um, the, if, if I may, if I may use this word, mm-hmm. is the callus of the episode. Mm, yeah. um, that when callus says uh, it'll probably be back and bring its friends, mm-hmm. uh, Zeb says that is the order of things. Mm, yeah. um, and I think it's a small line that you can be missed, but I think is resonant of the kind of the theme of the episode. Yeah. Um, friendship, friends, like that being the highest order of things that people are what makes it matter Mm -hmm. like or what makes it worth it or like what keeps you going friends people family yeah um and yeah callus doesn't have that totally i think that's definitely that's at the core when we're talking about the order of things and that's a good line to kind of focus on because callus zeb believes yeah the order of things is protecting other people and family and friends just like you said and callus he states this here he says only the strong survive and the weak perish. So he just looks at it as black and white of like, and there's yeah. a, there's a strength order in the, in the galaxy. Yeah. And so Zeb retorts, is that the reason why there's no more life on Geonosis? And Callus says he has no idea what happened there, nor did he ever ask any questions. And Zeb mm-hmm. retorts, maybe he should start. But if Callus might be afraid of finding out that Geonosis is empty because of his precious empire. So, I think this is where Zeb is really starting to prod and poke and crack Callus's yeah. um, yeah. worldview of that strength because, you know, Callus is kind of being purposely blind to the things, the evils that might be happening to him. Yeah. Maybe he's not participating, but he's turning a blind eye and because sure. he's afraid that his worldview might crumble. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or he, he, I don't even think he's afraid it's going to crumble. I think he knows it's like doesn't have legs to stand on so he's yeah. i think he knows that already yep and so they say that they will never get out without each other's help so they decide to work together and then this is kind of where the bromance starts because zeb picks up callus's bow rifle and he's like oh said modified for close close quarters combat and like zeb's like impressed and it's like kind of like a little bit of a demeasuring contest yeah <laughs> and then he's like wait but you shouldn't have it it's not a trophy and then he like uses it to splint callus's leg and then this is where we get kind of the retconning that i was talking about before because i think maybe in the beginning of this series they just thought callus would be a bad guy so they kind of went gung-ho like i exterminated the Lasat. they i killed them all it was awesome i rule and then now callus is kind of softening and saying like well, actually, I didn't take the rifle as a trophy. The Lasat guardsman he faced fought well and died honorably, giving Callus the weapon before he died. I didn't take it as a trophy. The Lasat guardsman I faced 
he fought well, died with honor. He gave me the rifle before. The Busan Kira. The what? The Busan Kira. The Sot warrior way. When one is defeated by a superior foe, he gifts his weapon. I was. I was only doing my duty. Which yeah. is like a ritual that the Lasat do when they're bested by a better foe. Yeah, the, that Boshan Kara. Yep. Um, I. Yeah, I don't really see it as. Re, I mean, it is. I I don't know. I don't actually know mm, if it's revision. I don't, I don't know what the writers were thinking. We don't know. We can only speculate. But I will say that play devil's advocate in defense of Callus in the beginning when he was saying that. It's because he was in the heat of battle. If you're in the heat of battle and trying to intimidate a foe, you're not going to be like, I, ki uh, I killed one of your uh, kind, but he was honorable. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, you're not going to shout all the positive interactions you've had. Like, I met your uncle. He's lovely. <laughs> um, it's just not intimidating. It doesn't really. Yeah, totally. I don't know. So it's not like Callus and Zeb have had a conversation, a a cool-headed conversation where Callus said these things mm -hmm. all these ex their exchange lines have been in the middle of conflict yeah when you know emotions are running high and you're not thinking straight necessarily yeah that's a that's a good point um and ultimately it doesn't bug me like you said we don't know what the writers were thinking we'll never know and that's fine but it, it's kind of like poe dameron because you know in, in the force awakens he was supposed to die the worst character in star wars yeah. I mean, I like him as a character. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he was supposed to die in the crash in Force Awakens. Oh, which would have been so and good. And then they were like, well, Oscar Isaac's actually pretty tight. So we yeah. want to keep him around. And so it might have been a situation like that where it's like, yeah, he's just going to be like nameless bad guy. And then like David Oelio and the cat character kind of grew on them. They're like, well, actually, maybe we should do some more with him. And I think this turn eventually, the series is stronger for it because I think the yeah. turn of at the end is a really really good arc for the series so i think it was a good choice if it was revisionist history if it wasn't revisionist history then that's fine too yeah um i i'm, I'm gonna step back and say i still like poe um i'm gonna i'm gonna before i get destroyed by people on the internet <laughs> um it's more that i think poe weakens other characters and i can tell that his history was revised because it weakens Finn and it makes Finn almost unnecessary to the story um, for me mm -hmm. where I, I feel like it really I feel like it hurts Finn's arc because Finn was supposed to do a lot of what Poe is doing um, which I don't know and from just a storytelling perspective and looking at like roles people fill it made mm -hmm. Finn's role very just unnecessary and needed which bums me out yeah i, like I mean i think it's it's hard because i think we need to wait until episode nine to see the full arc because yeah. you're right i think it was i think finn and poe are both actually really strong in the force awakens i don't really think poe took away from finn in the force awakens but he probably did in the last jedi and he played a very unlikable character in The Last Jedi, but I think that was purposeful and it made a lot of sense to the story. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Like, do they, is it redeeming and does Finn play a really big pivotal role in episode nine 
I don't know. It'll be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. But, I could talk more about yeah. it, but I won't. We'll save it for another. We'll save that for our episode nine preview. Um, but um, this is an interesting little Easter egg, and you have to keep in mind that this came out before Rogue One. So Callus is kind of saying, um, you know, I was only doing my duty. And he starts to tell him about, he starts to tell Zeb about how him and his troops were ambushed by a Lasat mercenary that worked for Saw Gerrera. We were on a routine patrol and ran into one of your rebel friends, a Lasat mercenary who worked for Saw Gerrera. I was lucky, knocked out by the first blast. I came to, but found I couldn't move. And then I saw him, the Lasat, calmly walk through smoke and fire to finish my unit off one by one. Yeah. So at this point, Saw hadn't hadn't been seen in any of the animated stuff or in Rogue One. The last time we saw him was in the Clone, yeah, Clone Wars. Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't know he would be brought back in the fold. This this as far as we had known, just been like kind of like a weird Easter egg to. Clone Wars, so it's kind of interesting that they expanded yeah. that. It is. it is. And then Zeb is, is sympathetic to that, but he says that you can't judge all the Sots the same, too. Which Callus says, does that apply to all Imperials? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which is a good point. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, after this, I just wrote down my big note is peril. <laughs> so yeah, peril totally. happens blah 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 mm-hmm. the only um thing that I, the only there's a couple like just funny notes i like so they're trying they're like all right we got to climb up to the thing we're going to work together to kind of climb and figure out how to get to the hole we made so because if we get to the surface we can use the transponder yeah. to blah 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 and like callus yeah. is like hey i'll hold all your stuff and then zeb's like nope yeah. and throws it to the surface instead which is just kind of like a stubborn yeah. like third grader thing to do and like callus is like whatever you're annoying. <laughs> I just like that yeah. little interaction between them. Yeah, that's them. a nice moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. They try to climb, slip. Uh, yeah. The Zamboni's back. Shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> uh, ran away. Yeah. They get to the top. I wrote these notes a long time ago, so I've, I'm looking at this and kind of giggling. I wrote, Kalos climbs on his back, but as they're climbing, they're attacked again by the Bonzami and a Bonzamigo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> He brought his friends back. Yeah. It is the order of things. Yeah. Um, and then, so they're climbing. Actually, this is kind of interesting that, you know, Zeb had already tried to climb and he fell. And Callus and is the one who kind of tactically tells him, like, you got to climb this way. This And it's like, no, it will never hold me. He's like, no, trust me. It'll hold us. You have to climb up the spire instead of up the wall. And so, yeah, um, and it's the whole, you know, two different skills mm-hmm. making one better person, literally embodied by Callus being on Zeb's back. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I think it's actually a good touch for Callus because, like, he could tell he's super freaked out by this and, like, he's hanging on the back of Zeb and, like, embarrassed. And, like, you kind of see, like, a real humanity and kind of bashfulness to him. Um, yeah. Like, kind of like, I bet it's what it's like when you, like, you and Callus get some beers and like bro out a little bit. Um, 
which we have never really seen before. We've just seen like scowling callus before. So yeah. this is kind of cool that his shell's cracking. But Zeb loses his grip um, and he's about to slip into the mouth of one of those Zamigos or whatever the crap. And so before he does that, though, he uses his foot fingers to. Oh, that's a gross sound. That's a gross, like, <laughs> series of words. He, he uses his foot fingers to grab Callus and fling Callus to the surface, saving Callus, but falling into the grips of the monsters. Yeah. So, um, but because Zeb had thrown all his crap up on top of that onto the surface. Callus is now able to grab Zeb's bow rifle and he struggles again between the two, but this time he has no interest. He's safe. He he could kill Zeb and just walk away, but instead he attacks the Bonzami and is able to drive them away. And he shoots it like right in the mouth, which looks like it hurt a lot, and Zeb ends up killing it. Um, he then helps Zeb to the surface and the fi- to find shelter and set up the trans- transponder, not knowing if the Imperials or the Rebels will get the signal first. All right, now we're back to the show. Now we're back to the good parts. Yeah. Thanks for walking us through that. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, so I just wanted to kind of do the play-by-play. Um, one interesting little Easter egg is there are two points of the episode where it Callus is like kind of erroneously showing like favoring his left leg instead of his right one so like he's like kind of hobbling on the wrong leg which is kind of interesting huh. uh the first time is when he goes to get the bow rifle when zeb is fighting the bonzami and the second is when he like goes into that cave with zeb at the end of the episode you think he's just faking it then so he can go go home from work <laughs> maybe well so it's interesting because i looked back on my cut of the episode and that didn't show up in my cut of the episode, but people reported it being there when it originally aired. So I wonder if they fixed it after the episode aired. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, didn't notice, but I wasn't really looking for it. Yeah. It's an interesting little Easter egg, hmm. but they're waiting in that cave and Callus reveals to Zeb that there wasn't supposed to be a massacre on Lasan. Still think your friends will find you? Unless the empire gets here first. Lasan. It, it wasn't supposed to be a massacre. But I realized the Empire wanted to make an example. I know before I took credit for it. What happened on Lasan? It's over for me. I moved on. The Empire wanted to make an example of the planet, though. And it wasn't when when Kalos went there. He didn't know that's what was gonna happen. Um, he also says yeah. it wasn't personal and he didn't actually command the massacre as he had previously claimed. Yeah. Which I, yeah, I, yeah, I understand why like someone would be upset about like, oh, this feels so revisionist or, you know, mm-hmm. a forced character arc, but, uh, it's not so far fetched for me. Yeah. And like I said, in the end, I think it's a successful arc. So, I don't really care if there's like nitpicking you can do about it. Yeah. It's definitely one of the best arcs for me in the show. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Um, One of the more interesting. Yeah. Plus if he didn't um, turn to the rebellion, we wouldn't get hot callus with his, with his cool mutton chops. 
he wouldn't become Sean Hunter. <laughs> totally. Good pull. At least in haircut. Yeah, totally. Which, I, which I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a nice touch too. The two eventually fall asleep leaning against each other and disgusted <laughs> upon awakening. Yeah. They're like, bro, no yeah. homo. <laughs> cool down. No, seriously. It's like just embrace your love. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um there's some there's some good lines coming up here though. Mm-hmm. When the cause they wake up to see the ghost, right? Yeah, they still don't know what ship is gonna come for them. If it's Imperials or if it's the Rebels, but it turns out to be the ghost. And um, they they see it and they have, there's a really funny line here because uh, as Zeb is leaving, you know, he's like, we'll, we'll treat you fair. They'll treat you fairly, you know, and Cal says I, he'd rather take his chance. The Imperials to which Zeb, you know, he's going to go, you know, I'm not going to tell on you kind of look. Oh, don't worry. You're cool here. Mm-hmm. And then Zeb goes, by the way, it's Zeb. You know, shares his name, to which Kaos replies, short for Garizeb, I know. Mm. Which I think is a weird line, because that's like if I said to someone, hey, it's Mike, by the way, and they went, short for Michael, <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows that. That doesn't mean you, I don't know, it just doesn't, it's a weird line. Kaos yeah. is going, yeah, I know what nicknames are. <laughs> yeah, it's like if I was like, Hey, it's Peter. And he's like, yeah, I know. It's short for Peter Cole. Nice. Yep. Um, so, Callus watches the ship taking off, looking somewhat regretful as he hears Zeb being greeted by his family. Josh, joshing around, busting his chops. Zeb is just like, I want that. Um, but hard cut. Callus eventually gets back to the Empire and he heads to his quarters aboard a Star Destroyer. And in the hallway, he comes across Captain Mustache, who doesn't yeah. return his greeting. Yeah. Doesn't seem to even care that he's back. Yeah. After entering his quarters, though, Callus places the warm meteorite that kept them warm on the planet. Zeb gave to him as a gift on a shelf in his quarters and sits down, possibly thinking <laughs> of all the two things the two of them spoke about on the moon. And maybe thinking about the fact that none of the Imperials on board seem to care about his absence or return. This is kind of interesting because they don't actually show you how Callus gets back or kind of like what was going on there, why they weren't looking for him. But in when you look at the um, script, it, it was said that um, Callus was picked up by a traitor and he found himself back like on his way back to the Imperials kind of a hitchhiking. Mm. And according to Imperial protocol, they had expended the time allowed looking for a missing officer. So they had abandoned him. So I guess the empire has like a, you can spend 24 hours looking for an Imperial officer after that, screw him. And they kind of looked for him like for that, whatever that time period is. And like, whoop, can't find him. Peace. Yeah. Just cold and brutal. Yeah, it is. And, um, I feel so bad for Callus. <laughs> yeah, I know. This ending when Captain Mustache is just being a total butthead. Yeah. I mean, or just being himself. Yeah. And Callus walks by and just has that, I don't know. It's it's a sad ending. Yeah. Part of me wanted someone to come into his quarters and be like, he, he like looks at him, he's like, hey, did you miss me? And they're like, that moon rock is an imperial protocol. And they're like, just take his rock away. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be so Mary sad. Charlie Brown. 
Oh, I would have loved that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Poor guy. Yeah. Well, those are all my notes. Do you have anything else? No, just that I really like that ending. Yeah. I think it's sad. Yeah. And I like it. And I think, I don't know, I think it's one of the better endings. I agree. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Um, just because I like, they could have stayed it. I mean, they could have gone over the top to show that Kalos doesn't have friends and that the Empire is cruel and harsh and, you know. Totally. Uh, but um, I like that they really humanize it very him subtly yeah. there. I just think that's done well. Um, also, just in general, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Why are we trying to overthrow the Empire? It's <laughs> a big question. Yeah, I know. I want to do a deep dive on this. Okay. I've been trying to figure out what's wrong with the Empire. Besides, you know, maybe... Slavery, mass genocide. Yeah, but all other planets do this. Luke Skywalker committed mass genocide. Even greater genocide, I would say. By blowing up the Death Star? Yeah, he killed way more people than were on Alderaan. It's the population of Death Star was more than the population of Alderaan. Is that true? I don't know. I'm just saying it. <laughs> Let's check. Yeah, but like, think so. I mean, we don't even know if we counted up all the atrocities too. So think about like all the deaths on Geonosis, all the deaths on Alderaan. Who knows what other planets they they killed? Um, like we okay. see in Solo, like they're they are. Uh, the mud planet they're like trying to subjugate those people they enslaved all they enslaved all the wookies i was wrong there was so many more people yeah, on. I know. this is like an odd stance for you to be taking i mean but what are we gonna like the empire didn't do anything wrong there's a whole subreddit for you that, that uh has those beliefs no. so i can, no, I can no, link no. you to I'm that just, i'm just i'm just wondering like is there good they do well, that's the whole argument. They can't be com- they can't be completely evil. Like they're not everyone in the empire is an evil. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I don't even really know what Palpatine is trying to accomplish. I don't truly understand. In the films, if you just look at the films, you have no idea besides they wear black uniforms and are strict. You don't- <laughs> I don't really and yeah okay the blue up all around yeah well so okay and there is some slavery. yeah so this is this is the whole this is a big big discussion but i mean yeah i know that's why i didn't <laughs> brought it up i've just been thinking <laughs> like we need some laws and some order and hopefully they have some and i know they have welfare programs i know that based on rebels we know that the empire was building some low-income housing <laughs> yeah um, well, I mean, I guess, so that's the whole argument. Um, and it, it kind of yeah, embodies, the, the infrastructure is there. It embodies this episode because do you believe that the, or the galaxy needs order and you need a strong authoritarian yes. to keep that order, a centralized authoritarian government to keep that order? Or do you think that people are better free to make their own decisions? And I think Ooh. that's kind of where it lays down because the, that's a big, even question. if you take out the casualties and the murders, you know, the whole central thesis of the Empire is we should control everything because we can keep everything in order, which is appealing to yeah. a lot of people. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. It's safety yeah, yeah. and security. Um, but the means at which you keep order in the galaxy can be pretty brutal. Whereas the Republic, yeah. the rebels believe everyone should be free to do what they want. Um, 
And that is how you'll get peace because you have true freedom. But then some people are going to want to do bad things. So it leads to yeah, more chaos. These are very nuanced. These are very nuanced points. Yeah. Um, inferred from a lot, mm-hmm. but are well are well stated. I was just kind of. I was just kind of thinking about this while we were talking. Yeah. So mine, mine weren't so well yeah. formed. That's interesting. It's a good, it's a good, um, wrapper for this episode. Just wondering. And if you want to bring a Palpatine into it, it honestly feels like, so Palpatine, I think it's all just selfish. It's he, he wants to rule cause he can. I mean, he's definitely got, he's just, yeah. I mean, I understand. I understand to the core of his being mm-hmm. what's wrong with him. He has a control issue. Like, and he, you know, you can never, it's one of those things you can never have enough. You're always going to want more to the point where when you have it all, well, then you're going to want power. Yeah. I get that. Well, that's true. But there's another interesting aspect of it that I was reading in, in this guidebook that I got about, you know, he's kind of the chosen one of the Sith. So he is the culmination of this giant, long revenge plot of the Sith against the Jedi. So all this other stuff about ruling the galaxy and stuff is kind of a bonus. I think his yeah. only thing is like, the Jedi beat the Sith back in the day, and I want to get revenge about that. And so, like, yeah. he kind of just like yeah. wants to kill the Jedi, and the rest of it is like whatever. That's true. I, yeah, and maybe I'm thinking like, and these are all coming from secondary and like tertiary yeah. sources. I'm thinking about the the core. Um, I just went off on a tangent here, <laughs> bringing this all up, but I'm thinking about the core films. Yeah, and I'm thinking about the true core films. Mm-hmm. You know. Everything that's not fam films, aka one through six. Yeah, I mean, I think one one through three, I think, makes it a little more nuanced. But honestly, four through six, I don't think they thought about it much. I think they just wanted scary bad guys against good guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, But I think it's a really good point. I think that's that's why we do this podcast. I think, and that's why we like Lost Stars so much, right? right? Because it it makes it so clear that there's a lot of um, good Imperials. Yeah, go listen to that episode we did with Claudia. Yeah, Gray. Yep, yep. it was really fun. All right, okay, I'm back. <laughs> let's save. Let's save this for a deep dive when I've maybe written down some yeah, things. And that's uh, a good idea. I like that. And let's have a debate. We should have. Let's host Ooh, a debate. I like that. Okay, cool. You bring your guns. I'll bring mine. That's the order of things. Okay, perfect. I like that a lot. All right, sweet. Stay tuned to that. That would be a good bonus episode. Cool. Um. So let's wrap this up. You good? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how we like to end our episodes on a grading scale of our current least favorite thing in Star Wars to our current most favorite thing in Star mm-hmm. Wars. And we put this episode somewhere in between. Peter, do you want to give an example of your scale? Yeah. So my favorite thing in Star Wars right now is the battle in the throne room of the last Jedi um, between Rey and Kylo Ren. There's the tension, the battle, the action. There's heads flying everywhere. It's awesome. My least favorite thing right now is the 1997 chart-topping musical sensation Jedi Rocks, which I think was like number one on the Billboard charts. Um, between those two things, I give this episode the second Death Star because it brings wow. a little bit of nuance to the plot. Lie in wait and trick your enemy instead of just blowing stuff up, and it's the center mm. of a fantastic space battle. 
which I think is just yeah. kind of a enjoyable time. So I give it a great. B plus. Nice. Yep. I like How about that. You? I think it's great. I'm pretty. I'm pretty right there with you. So my least favorite thing in Star Wars currently is Solo getting his name from uh, yeah. an Imperial officer, which is so apropos to this episode. Solo. And my most favorite thing currently is uh, the death of Yoda on Dagobah. Mm-hmm. His lights go dim in his hut. Really great moment. Yep. I'm going to give this episode a an Ozzel being. <laughs> Skype choked, <laughs> you know, choked via yep. Skype by Vader, to which then promotes, um, who is that, Veers? Yep. Is that I Veers? I think so. Yeah. I get all my officers it's, confused, but I think it is Veers. Wait, no, yeah, isn't Veers, Veers the one in the in the AT-AT in the beginning of the Battle of Hoth? Is it the same guy that gets promoted? I, I'm pretty positive okay. Veers gets promoted. Um or is it Piet who gets Piet promoted? Oh my god! I don't god. know. Officer Face gets promoted. I know. I know. Ozel gets choked, and I think Piet gets promoted. There it is. Cool. Perfect. I'm gonna make. I have to make a rhyme. Ozel gets choked. Piet gets promoted. I'm gonna make a little jingle. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm gonna give this episode because it really endears me to Piet. Uh-huh. This Imperial, I think it humanizes yeah. him because he looks so terrified as Ozzel's being choked. Um, and I think Piet might be one of my favorite Imperial officers also just because he always looks so scared to me. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm going to give this episode a B plus as well. Cool. I think it's a great moment in Star Wars. I think this is a needed episode of Rebels, which begins, cements the eventual defection of Callus. One of my favorite Rebels moments mm-hmm. i like that cool well thank you so much for going on this ride with me mike like Callus and Zeb, we were once enemies and now we're friends. Oh, frenemies, maybe. (laughs) Um, Cool. So I just want to remind people, same things we talked about up top. Please, please, please leave us an iTunes review and a rating. We have actually gotten a bunch of ratings, which I really appreciate, but people aren't leaving a lot of reviews. So Mm -hmm. leave a review with your, you don't even have to say if you like the show. Just leave your Star Wars scale. And if you do that, you will be entered into a drawing to podcast with us, which yep. everyone wants to do, obviously. And, obviously. And also pick up our Canaan pin entitled Space Oddity. And we can you can find that at Rebels Rebels Pod at bigcartel.com. Um, for now, we might change that. So please check out our Twitter and Instagram for where to buy that. Yep, our link for the shop will always be on our Twitter and Instagram. Exactly. You can also find um, us at Rebels Rebels Pod at Gmail at on Instagram and on Twitter. That's Gmail G M A L E. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Until then. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, friends, to be brave out there. Don't look back. Don't look back. Bye. See ya, Slamo. <laughs>